Welcome back to another episode. How's everybody doing? You ready for the weekend? Ready to get litty? Show off a titty? How's everybody doing, man? I hope everybody's doing well. I hope, uh, uh, you know, I hope you're doing well. This uh, this episode was great. Uh, another guest uh, is my buddy Jay Rivera out of Las Vegas, Nevada. Um, he's a comic friend of mine. I met him here in Tampa, um, and then he spread his wings and came all over the country. Um, he's a funny dude, has an interesting perspective, um, has awesome experience of life. This man went from the porn industry to stand-up comedy. He was working a job that allowed him to travel across the country, so he was able to perform in a bunch of different cities and states. Um, you know, he he's a, a great dude overall. Uh, I think he, he knows what he's talking about, loves what he's doing, and just shows love wherever he's at, man. I think this was a great conversation. It was good to catch up with him. It had been a couple of years since I've, uh, uh, vocally spoken to him. Um, so I think it was awesome. It's great to learn about Vegas, man. Uh, I've thought about going there. Can't say that I'd want to go there sober, but, um, it would definitely be, it would be a hell of an experience to do it sober, to be able to watch everything unfold, watch all the debauchery, you know, from the outside. Cause, uh, cause I don't do that anymore. Okay. I've grown up and I've moved on. This man is mature. Okay. This is the most mature man that you'll probably ever see. Maybe not. I don't know. It's not the point. The point is comedy and we're going to keep doing it. And, uh, you know, I'm drinking the spin drift. I did my best to not burp through the entire episode. Um, I also did not reference the office. So you guys would be mighty proud of me probably. So, uh, I hope you enjoy it, man. I enjoy it. I love this dude. He's awesome. You know, I hope you enjoy it. So it's good to see you, man. You look man, good. Likewise. <laughs> likewise, man. You've been all right, man. I don't know what you've been up to lately, man. Dude, I'm uh, running this show, trying to get this thing off the ground. Uh, um, you know, COVID is non-existent in Florida now. Right. Lucky you. Yeah, I don't, uh, or ever. I don't know if it was ever existent here. I think we had two solid months where everything was locked down and then everybody was just like, fuck it. Right. <laughs> Holidays. Like we'll yeah, we'll go to the ocean. We'll wash the shit off. We'll be fine. I like your hat, man. Thanks, brother. You know, I got to represent my bucks, baby. Yes, sir. Uh, so how is it? So you're in uh, Vegas now, right? You've been there for a couple of years. Yeah, man. I'm in uh, uh, Las Vegas, Nevada, man. I've been here about three years going on, dude. I love the city, dude. I really do. Is it? Uh, I've never been. The closest I've been is uh, Palm Springs. Uh, so is it as crazy as uh, the stories live up to be? <laughs> My friend, you have no idea, brother. You have no idea. See, 
truth is, man, a lot of people just have this impression of like, oh yeah, Vegas is wild and all this other stuff. But, you know, you don't see the actual city side of it, the actual people part of it, man. And it's a, it's a really interesting crowd, but every single story you heard is more than likely true, man. <laughs> That's one thing I've learned out here is like, yeah, there ain't no shame at all. It's fucking happening, you know? So um, what made you actually like um, end up like going out there? What, it was work or? A little bit of both, man, to be honest with you, uh, like comedy wise and work. I uh, had gotten a job with a company, man, traveling the country uh, to kind of pay the daytime shit. But um, the cool part was, is every city I got to go to, I got to perform in. So, man, I did. I don't know how many different states, man, including Manhattan, you know, New Jersey, Boston, all this other areas, man, uh, California, San Francisco area and shit. And I got to uh, have this wonderful trip that ended me up here in Vegas because I got a job through that other job. <laughs> That's awesome. So now you just, you're stationary. You're not moving around anymore. Nah, man, I'm getting married next week, so I'm pretty sure that's a solid lockdown for at least five years minimum. Congratulations, <laughs> man. Congratulations. Thanks, man. I, I myself got engaged uh, over the, the pandemic. So, oh, man, congratulations, man. Thank you. Thank you. I think we're, <clears throat> Caitlin and I are going on uh, seven years this October, which All is right. like insane. She's like been with, that, with me throughout like the whole comedy career. Um, cause I don't know if you remember, I ended up moving to New York to, yeah, live, yeah, man, totally. to, to live with her. Um, and then we ended up, you know, coming back here and then, um, a bunch of family shit happened. Her dad passed away and then her brother passed away like two years after. So we just kind of got stuck in, uh, Florida and I kind of got in this, you know, mindset that I was like a failure almost. Right. Cause I, I, I was like doing it in New York. I was starting to get on shows and I like one of the last shows I did Greer Barnes was like judging this competition. And I was like, and they told me like, I almost made it if I wasn't, you know, just a little bit less nervous, yeah. I would have been picked up to be one of the finalists. So coming back to Florida, I was like, man, I'm a fucking failure. I was uh, just recently talking to Rio about it. I had him on. And oh, yeah. it's, it's really like your own, like thoughts, like, like I would, I would think if I were to go do a mic or a show, all the other comedians that I started with would think that I'm a <laughs> failure, which isn't true at all. That's just not at all your no. own self manipulation. Yeah. So we're here. We talk about going, um, we talk about leaving, but when things settle down, well, brother, man, look, this uh, last year and a half has already been an interesting experience, man, leading up to what it was the craziest year, I think, for humanity. But um, I think, honestly, my adventure is going to take me back to New York um, eventually as well. Um, and the, th uh, the truth is, my girl, she actually she's down for it. She like she loves New York, too. So I'm like excited about that um, because she's a therapist, dude. She could work fucking anywhere you know what i'm saying yeah, people a lot of people in new york need therapy you know what i'm saying exactly bro <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that job is not going anywhere in new york yeah man so uh what what i mean you've got to perform almost all over the country i think when i met you you had just started comedy so doing those shows around the country must have helped you grow so like fast right 
You know, I will say it was definitely a, a slap of reality as to how dedicated am I going to be to this, you know? Um, and when I got on the road, I was timid at first because I was just like, damn, dude, I'm out of my environment. Am I really going to excel? Um, and it didn't. And then at one point it just hit me. It wasn't about just excelling. It was just learning, learn, do everything you can absorb, man. You know, you meet a bunch of people, you know, the interesting stories that happen on the fucking road, dude. So, you know, I just got more and more comfortable into this, this mentality of just, you know, the, the truth is funny, <laughs> you know, it's like my, my uh, like the things that happen in life are funny, you know, obviously it's perspective, but I grew a lot in New York. I will say that for sure. I feel like New York was uh, like a college environment for comedy. It's just like, and I, and I don't want, <clears throat> excuse me, I know it's a professional environment, but it was just the, the mentality of like, you know, if you're looking at, you know, open mics, that's like your process of like high school. And then, you know, you get to a place like New York and now you're going through the, the actual motions of trying to get into the uh, comedy world. So New York to me was uh, a great experience. Um, they, they have such great writers out there that it really makes you step your game up. So, hell yeah you know, so it's a, it's a great experience to be out there. I would tell every comic never ever turn opportunities down in New York, you know? Yeah, there's, um, I've met some really great comics um, from there. Um, this guy, John Butera, he comes down to Florida to perform as well, but he's from Long Island and he was, he would put on shows and um, headline shows in the city. And he was one that really like kind of put me on and was um, starting to like get me shows. Uh, Broadway is like one of the like first comedy clubs where like amateur comics will go to and get to perform. And so that was one where I was doing a lot. And then Stand Up New York is another one where I was doing a lot. The guy, Dan, um, I forgot his last name, but the guy running it is super awesome. He's the reason why comedy is about to start back up because he was, um, I think he was about to sue Cuomo or um, what's the... Yeah, the mayor. Yeah, whoever whoever's running that shithole. Uh, right. <laughs> um, he was like about to sue him, so they're starting to open up comedy clubs, and he's like give he's like getting comics vaccinated and shit out there. So That's he's awesome. like, yeah, he's doing a lot for the city. So like that club, Stand Up New York was one that was really awesome. Um, I also performed at uh, New York Comedy Club with uh, this guy um, Usama. He was on America's Got Talent. Um, I've heard him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've heard of that comic. I'm just, I never, I didn't see him in New York though. He's, he's <clears throat> just an animal, dude. Uh, he's yeah. got his podcast, Mango Bay. Um, uh, just, dude, that place is full of killers. You know when uh, it is, it is, it really is, dude. It's, a, it's a, it's a tough fucking environment. But if you really, you know, again, I'm, I'm all about balance, man. If you could find your day job where you could have your nighttime dedicated to fucking comedy, you can learn so much so fast, man. You know, I just love like, you know, it was rough because I was working when I went, went out there, I was working um, in a restaurant. So it was really rough. Like it got to the point where like I would get off work at midnight and try and do whatever set that I could before I go home. And I wasn't getting home till like four. So like there were nights where I was definitely like, I can see why people end up doing coke in that city <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. To, to keep going. But Man, it just a great experience. Caitlin and I talk about going back all the time, man. Yeah, man. I think it's the only city where if you don't have your middle finger, you can't get your driver's license, man. I swear to God, dude, it's it's fucking hilarious out there how much that angry driving happens in, in midtown and all that stuff, dude. I 
dude angry period people walk angry there (laughs) yeah dude like it's it's an aggressive city but it's like shit man you you know i envy you because you got to live it day in and day out for a good bit man i was in and out of there all the time but um yeah man like i will tell you though man some of the strongest comedy scenes man that i had the pleasure of at least just kind of witnessing um dc's comedy scene was just fucking phenomenal man shit that's where Chappelle's from yeah man and i can understand why he's so he's so good man like a lot of their comics are solid comics man um you know i loved uh, the chicago scene that was really cool for uh you know my one or two experiences there but um i I was just like i I love comedy man and i love exploring it in different uh you know variations you know san francisco's comedy scene i will say is huge fucking mungus dude like their open mics um just to at least go up uh, there just to get up somewhere in uh, san francisco you know if you're there for vacation or something like that uh they actually had like almost 100 people on these lists and i was just like i I don't know how you can get through a hundred people worth of comedy, man. Like that's ridiculous. You know, how, when, is that like a four <clears throat> hour show? How? Dude, I swear to God, it, it like, they, they let it go on and on and on. And I'm like, holy shit. They've really got like a hundred comics walking around here, man. And this place was in a fucking laundromat in San Francisco, man. This was so awesome, dude. It that's was so dope. They, they were doing stuff like that in New York too. These like weird, like alternative scenes that, you know, wherever there's, wherever you can get a crowd, there's room for comedy. You know what I'm saying? If there's a, if there's five people, dude, you can do comedy. Dude, check this out. Well, the very first show I did back from the uh, pandemic, <clears throat> I was uh, really blessed uh, that a comedy uh, friend of mine was doing a show out in this town called Mesquite. Now, Mesquite is a very small middle of fucking desert town, man. All right. Very sweet people, though. Um, and they literally took their abandoned fucking elementary school, took the fucking center courtyard to that bitch and actually made a show there. All right. For, uh, for one night, uh, this weekend, actually, they're about to do their second show the, the weekend on my wedding, but in other case, man, um, these were elderly people, mainly, you know, uh, of the Caucasian variety, you know, um, <laughs> and I was going in there like, you know, I, uh, with, I hadn't seen, I performed with any of the other comics except for the guy hosting the show. Um, and I'm thinking like, all oh, these people are going to be kind of uptight for, you know, my ass. And then I see like three out of the f- five comics are, you know, minorities. I'm like, all right, cool. This, I'm not going to be alone in this ass. <laughs> you know, if the shit's about to hit the fan, I could assume. Um, and you know what, though, man, I, I was just totally being an asshole because these people were so awesome and they just were so happy to have comedy. I closed the show out and these were, like people in lawn chairs, man, all around this courtyard. They knew, like, legit, I made a joke about it. And they were just like, yeah, we know. We're, we'll take what we could get, you know? <laughs> and I was like, you know, my hat's off to you, man. Like, honestly, dude, you guys fucking rock with being out there, you know? I mean, if, if like, what's the population of a place like that? Like, 1,500, you know what I mean? Like, dude, I swear, it's, and I can't say it would max out more than 3,000, and that's, barely fucking pushing it i mean unless well wow i was about to make a horrible joke um but <laughs> but uh essentially uh like i can't imagine that it should be more than that it's just like little little ass town man but they want to have one thing one casino with a golf course and that's it <laughs> they, they live off golf courses bro when i was in palm springs i mean that's like golf city yeah. 
Like that's <laughs> where all the rich people, that's where like the Kardashians go for vacation. Yeah. They go like uh living out there was dope. And the guys I was working with when I was out there um were would go to Vegas all the time. And I I was tempted, but I was also like there for only for a couple of weeks before I had to come back. So I didn't even get to like experience the full the full livelihood of that. So it's it's dope, man. I mean, I've talked to you about wanting to go out out there at some point, but damn, man. Listen, I, I get, I'm sorry to interrupt you, man, but I got to tell you at least that when if you do want to come out here, you're going to have an experience, but you, you have to be straight up with yourself about whether or not you can find a balance between the comedy and the lifestyle that is Vegas. You know, now granted, obviously there's, you know, since the pandemic, everything changed, but before then, dude, it was uh, like a, a crazy mind fuck in a way, because you're like, you're so excited to be here, but you have to keep checking yourself constantly because it's like, okay, you have an ability to go do pretty much fulfill anything you want to do. And it's all based on how much money you have, of course. So right. you could go broke so fucking fast, you know? Well, I'm sure it happens often. Luckily, I'm recently sober again, but, uh, uh, but yeah, my plan is to stay sober. I think best when I'm sober, I need to, you know, not fall into the trap. Like even, even weed, man, like, cause that's, that was my vice and the way how strong this shit is now, like it, you can get addicted to it. And I don't, I, I don't give a fuck about anybody who wants to argue that you can't, you can, it's, yeah. you, can, you can get used to it. You can need it to feel better and to me like i don't want that crutch um it was also to the point where it's like affecting my motivation which i hate to be the person to say that you know i'm not joe rogan i can't be um highly motivated no pun intended but like i i just got to the point where i wasn't writing as much or what i it like wasn't opening up like this part of my brain that it used to, you know, and I think it's because I started so young. So now if I were to go out there, sober would be the first thing on my mind. Stay sober, focus. <laughs> yep. Because I can guarantee to you, there's going to be a couple of nights like, oh, I don't know. There's this place called Dive Bar out here. Dive Bar is to the T, the fucking Dive Bar of Vegas, man. It is a metal bar you know, grungy as fuck, cocaine all over the toilet seat lids and shit, man, on the Hell tank. Yeah. Man. Like, it is a straight metal grunge bar, man, and I fucking love it. But comics come in there thinking, like, oh, man, I'm going to crush. Oh, man, I'm going to come in here and make them laugh. Bro, Dive Bar is a place where you go to hear what your shit sounds like out loud. You know what I'm is saying? Is it like, uh, um, what was that, what was that, uh, Mike, that Jared Ray used to host in Ebor? um oh you're talking the, about the a double decker, decker? Yeah, is, it like, yeah, is yeah. it like that oh no it's worse dude it's <laughs> fucking worse like dude this place has got a legend that a guy was fucking decapitated in the back that's fucking uh gnarly it's legit dude like this bar is fucking straight as metal as it can get dude like the I lo like the bartender ladies there are fucking awesome man but there are some metal chicks dude they fucking talk to guys like they're six foot ten and shit man it's fucking great dude i love it man are you but you uh, go up go ahead um, I was just gonna. Are you host? Do you host the mic there? Because I see you're there like every week, or are you just no, brother. No, man. Actually, uh, my buddy Randall Crabmeat Thompson, man, he uh, he's the host right there. He's I think he's the only one that's got the balls to fucking host that place, man. <laughs> um, because like it, it's 
it, it, again, it, it's a tough fucking sell. If you really go up there with hopes and dreams, they're going to shit on them pretty strongly. So, um, and like, it's one of those places that you cut your teeth on out of here. So when I say you come out of here and you hit places like that, you know, just be aware. It's, it, you know, Double Decker was nice compared to this, <laughs> you know? I mean, it's, uh, I think, yeah, I could see if somebody going out there is like excited, like, oh, I'm going to do comedy. But you got to remember, like, there's grimy spots that are in every town. Like, not every show or mic you do is going to be a saw. There's not, you're lucky if you even get a handful of people at a bar like that. You know what I mean? Like, oh, yeah. No, it will have nights where the bar is packed. Nobody gives a flying asshole what you're saying. <laughs> like, literally, you could have some killer shit. Nobody gives a fuck. And then all of a sudden it becomes like this vibe of like, well, if they didn't laugh, I can't laugh. And then everybody else starts doing like this stupid fucking thing. But <laughs> yeah, dude, like, uh, it's funny though. I don't underestimate that this shit can't happen. Like at a, see, I go hang out at this place called 18 bin also on Tuesdays. Um, and they have this great mic there where once a month they uh, bring out like a little jazz band. So they're backing you up while you're doing your set, you know? That's pretty and, dope. Oh, dude, I fucking love it, man. Sets it's the mood. Town. Oh, dude, yeah, I'm like, I'm like going with them. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> you know. And I just say like one liners through the whole thing. It's fucking great. Um, but uh, the thing is, is that like yesterday, that place has always been a solid spot to perform in. And there's a crowd, you can have a great night. And yesterday, bro, that place was more lethal than the fucking dive bar, <laughs> because it just people were cold bro like just solid cold you know yeah and it's always you know it's it's interesting and it's like a it's a weird psychology when you do shows because you get fucked up in your head you're like is it me or like but then you do bits that you know work and then people still aren't laughing so it's like some sometimes people just will like force themselves to not laugh and I, yeah. I mean, it's understanding the times, but it's like, shit. They don't want to be the outsider. It's fucking weird. Yeah. I don't, I don't get it. I've never been, if I go someplace knowing that I could possibly laugh, I most likely will. Uh, if I think it's funny, you know, I'm just, I'm just that kind of person. I won't purposely not laugh just because I'm a dick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, dude. I like uh, my whole thing is if, if I think it's funny, I'll, I'll, I'll laugh. I'll chuckle, you know, but if it's uh, like lately, I've been seeing a lot more comics getting more and more daring with racist type shit. And I'm like, why, why bother? Do you, why would you bother to push that button? You know? Yeah. That's not good. That's asking for another Spartan kick. You know, wasn't it, yeah, wasn't exactly. it Vegas? Wasn't it Vegas that the, uh, somebody was doing stand up and they fucking Spartan kicked a, a guy who tried to like rush the, rush the. Mic? I wanted to kick that motherfucker myself, dude. I actually did a couple of mics with that asshole. His name is Rad Zone. All right. I can't believe that I like my life has brought me here to like where these internet famous people I'm actually like seeing them like, oh yeah, you got your ass beaten. I'm not, <laughs> yeah. Wait, so the guy that got kicked was a comic? He's a fucking comic, but you got to understand, like, God forgive me. My man probably has some difficulties in life, you know, mentally. And, I, and it's just, he's he's very kind of like conspiracy and... and oh, God. And, like, one of these guys who's who's gone off the edge, in my yeah. opinion. But it's like QAnon? He, 
something like that but more like uh just again you could see the twinge of mental you know instability there you probably know? listens to tinfoil hat sam <laughs> something like that exactly. <laughs> um but he you know for the most part he was always a sweet guy you know never disrespectful but when he gets up and he does sets that's when he's a complete piece of shit and you're just like okay fine you know it's rad zone we understand he's not right but then he like starts fucking pointing at people now i'm like all right now i want to kick you for being a dick too you know what i'm saying like that that, it, that, that was one of the funniest fucking things that's happened dude. like that was and i wish i could have seen that <laughs> because honestly that's just almost deserved yeah but, it, like it and it's weird to know that he's a comic now because he was heckling one of the comics that were up and didn't like right. what what the comic was saying back to him and fuck man uh that's wild i've dude, never dude. gotten to the point of axe kicking or fucking spartan kicking somebody dude i uh i remember jared uh oh man jared i want to say his last name is walker man you remember jared walker he was uh have you said dude in new york no no no, no, he's no, in no. that's uh jared waters waters thank you i don't want to keep saying uh, walker uh jerry waters man dude is funny as hell man i remember that one night on fucking uh at double decker he actually like was doing his bet and this one asshole kept talking shit and he's like all right you come up here man i'm a wrestling fucking state champ i'm gonna take you to fuck down i'm like i didn't doubt it i like i was and sure enough the dude tried to rush up and he just immediately got set and the guy backed off like he was about to like get body slammed. That shit was hilarious, dude. Dude, and Jared like, is jacked too. I wouldn't fuck with him. Yeah, no, man. <laughs> no, I mean that's comedy though, man. Um, out here, uh, you get the the drunk tourists that are go go fucking buck wild or on so many drugs, and you know it's you have to deal with them and and their psyche, which is hilarious in its own way. You know. Yeah, you probably got uh, people that are gone off multiple substances not even just one like you can't even like i mean it's vegas so if, if you've ever seen in fear and loathing my man you know they're probably taking everything that they can possibly get their hands on so yeah because they want their fear and loathing in vegas moment you know which, which is like sad in itself because it's does you know it's not something that's real yeah. you know it's that's a movie you're gonna have i don't know i myself i just couldn't mix that much shit i would fucking take myself to the hospital well i mean that's the thing you know you're doing one thing in excess because you you can uh, you can so you're going to start doing something else in excess and you know that's where you push yourself beyond your limits and shit so god forbid you ever do that type of shit but that's that's pretty much what uh, vegas is about you know they they wanted to keep it classy I love classy Vegas. I really do. Like, I understand why people go to the nicer hotels and shit like that, because at the end of the day, it's, it's the ambiance, man. Some right. people are fucking wild out here, you know? They come out here and, dude, they come and bring their guns with them and shit. I'm like, Jesus, it's it's wild, man. It's the Wild West, though. And yeah, but that, you can you can open carry out there, right? That's legal? Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, like, as uh, that's legal, but yes, you have to have your uh, carry permit. That's so bold. But I mean, from Florida, though, it's not anything different, though. That's not like anything out of the ordinary. Yeah. But like, no joke, dude, I, I love this city. It's great. And you're so close to L.A. You know, if you ever want to get out there and make an effort in that capacity, it's only four hours away. Um, Did you do any of that before, like the pandemic? Had you gone over to California and done stuff? Brother, no, I, I wish I could say I had. But no, I the only time I uh, 
did anything in Cali was in San Francisco. So, damn man, you got if anything ever goes back to normal over there, mm-hmm. uh, you you got to at least. I mean, I don't even know what it's going to be like now because, like, when I went to the comedy store, it was 2014. So that was like the Joe Rogan hype, dude. I remember seeing everybody, Chris D'Elia, before his fucking shit happened you know um um i watched a a kill tony out there that was so awesome and when i signed up to do the potluck out out there i didn't know i was so young and naive i didn't know that they draw from the week before so like i signed up thinking i would be drawn that night didn't get drawn so like they could have called me the week after like i had already fucking left and you know no show but it was so awesome to be in there yeah man there was a kill tony film that uh that uh dive bar place i was telling you about dude that's awesome did you do it no i wasn't no i wasn't uh available for then excuse me for that because i actually had the real job (laughs) (laughs) real jobs ruin so much shit don't they though don't they fucking know god but having nice shit is so nice yeah, man, I ain't gonna lie, dude. It's it's nice having you know things you earn, and when you earn it, man, it feels great. But uh, that with comedy, man, that's been the only thing I can earn right now, man. Like mentally wise, you know, because I got my uh, license to sell health and life insurance out here, man. But it's like I'm I'm a newbie, so my money's coming in years ahead, not now, you know. So I still got to fucking make money. You know what I'm saying? So I'm like doing all these little part-time jobs now just so I can keep doing comedy and stuff. I'm actually doing trivia tonight. Uh, I started my first uh, trivia night tonight. Hell yeah. Um, hell yeah, man. I mean, hey, people are coming back. And of course, it had to be St. Patty's Day. So everybody's going to be wrecked trying to answer shit. What you what know? kind of games are you playing? Oh, it's uh, actual trivia, man. It's like questions. Oh, it's you just know, random uh, questions? Like you don't create them? Or are there like, they're like certain cards that you already have? Or is it like a... Well, basically, it's a company set up where they just basically make a slideshow of it. And they have a bunch of questions, and it goes like a minute a question. Uh, you take a break in between each round, and there's like four rounds. And then at the end, you announce a winner. They take a picture with the belt. And, and uh, you know, you just be funny in between. Hell you know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, make it entertaining. You know, the questions... Um, I'm geeked for it, man. Like this is my first time doing trivia, but dude, I'm so geeked for it. But yeah, but if you've ever it's, hosted, it's like it's nothing different, right? Yeah, man. I uh, I will say that uh, it's it, well, it's a it's definitely part of the hosting process. It is a, just a little bit different because you can't focus on your bits. You have to just kind of be improv about it. So you know, you like because you can't again, you can't really work on your bits because you don't have time for that. You have to be done within an hour and a half. Yeah. yeah you can only like put little zingers in there make fun of drunk people still pretty fun. much man. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, still no. fun you're working a different part of the uh the brain which is good that's like your uh uh your fast thinking part yeah. of the brain a great way to work that uh, part of the brain out is also playing speed chess that's a great way to go ahead and do that what is it speed chess yeah i would probably do terrible at that <laughs> oh man shit i trust me it took me years to learn it man i'm, I'm, a, I'm a fast learner when it comes to like electronics and a lot of stuff but when it comes to like really fucking mathematical equation type stuff yeah <laughs> that's not me yeah i'm not i mean if they got speed checkers sign oh. me up 
fucking speed tic-tac-toe bro i'm down <laughs> this shit happen you know uh, so, uh i want to i want to know a little more uh about your history so like yeah, um i know a little bit and I'll let you tell whatever, whatever uh, you want to tell. But like, what made you want to start doing comedy? I'm pretty sure you've told me before, but it's been years since I've talked to you. Yeah, brother. No, man, it's all good. Uh, you know, to be honest with you, I, it, I didn't know what my purpose was in life. And I went up to, on that mic at Double Decker and also I found purpose. And uh, after that, it was it's just been like, all right, do whatever you can to be a comic. So the first thing was I had to be humble enough to admit like, all right, this ain't going to be a, a quick turnover. It's nah. going to be, it's going to be a while. And uh, Steve Martin even said it, man, like it's a 25 year commitment minimum. I suck. It sucks for me that I started late, but Hey man, if I get anywhere in that 25 years where I can honestly say that I've made my uh, a living off of comedy, then I've succeeded in my goals. You know what I'm saying? I don't, man, I don't, I don't want to say you started late. Um, Cause you got guys like Joey Diaz who started when they were like 31. Yeah. And you essentially know. like, it, it, I know that there's older comics than that even, but I just feel like um, maybe I just started at the right time because my life experience had finally caught up, you know what I'm saying? Like, all right, now here's some wisdom. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, and, and the beauty about starting when you did is you have all of that life experience. Like, you may not know how to make it funny yet, but you can sure you can write that shit down and try to make it funny. Oh, yeah. yeah, you yeah. work it out, man. That's what a comics job is, is to work the idea out. You know what I'm saying? And then to be honest with you, dude, like there is no greater feeling, man. And, and I, I'll say this a million times, man, making people laugh, making them forget for at least a minute of their life of what reality surrounds them at all times um, is, a, is, is truly honorable in, in so many ways. But just to go ahead and be able to get people to laugh is a great feeling for you as well. You know what I'm saying? As a comic, you know yeah. what I'm it's, it's, it's such a, it's such a great, like, almost like uh, you saw in uh, Monsters, Inc. That's like the best example I could give you where it's like the laughter filled up the jars more, you know, yeah. and, and, and the screams. <laughs> so yeah, man, I love comedy, man. I fell in love with it that that year <laughs> what made you want to want to do it though like what was the thing that put you over the edge that where that made you want to fucking find an open mic and just say hey fuck it i'm gonna go try and make people laugh oh all right then all right you want the honest to god's truth all right then. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> no man I, I really don't mind being the center of attention no <laughs> it's a beautiful no, uh, thing it really is no it's you know i'm an only child so of course it's you know it's that but uh, <laughs> No, man. Um, I think it was just the fact that uh, I had worked at laser tag centers in Tampa. I had, you know, no shame in like being in front of the class to speak. You know, I, like public speaking to me is not, it's not scary. It's, it's exciting, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and uh, me and a buddy of mine, Dave B. I'm not sure if you remember Dave B or still see Dave B. David Bradley. Uh, skinny dude, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. My man wore glasses, man. Funny as hell. Very, uh, very uh, creative comic. He has, he's had to step it down uh, in comedy because he, you know, life, but, uh, but he still performs here and there, man. Very funny guy. Uh, uh, and he's actually a, a longtime friend. We both went to the mic together the first time, man. We both got up and like I said, I fell in love that night, man. It was just, I couldn't do anything else. Like anything else that I felt like deserved my effort would come in second com compared, uh, compared to comedy, you know? Yeah. And I think, um, I don't remember, 
I don't remember. Do you remember what you, with the material you did? Yeah. Oh yeah. It, it's ingrained in my head, dude. It, it's as simple as I, okay. I used to film porn and, and there we I'm, go. <laughs> I'm not the actor. I, I wasn't, I wasn't going to say it. I was waiting for you to say it. Oh, my apologies, man. Like, honestly, I just, I, I don't mind when people bring it up. It's funny as hell to me, but um, yeah, no, I came out to um, Vegas, man. And oh my God, dude, like it, when I worked in the whole porn industry, man, it's not what everybody makes it, it seem, you know what I'm saying? It's actual work. You know yeah, of course. Saying? And there are certain smells that creep up and you're just like, really dog? Like you couldn't wash your ass before you got your ass fucked. I mean, like what the fuck, you know, all these like so much nasty uh, stories, man. Um, how, how, wait, but before you go on, how did you get involved into that industry? Was it something you like, were like, this is something like I could do, or did you know the right people? Or did you like fucking indeed.com porn cameraman? Right. <laughs> um, knowing a buddy who's got a lot of money and like fucking doesn't care what it is to make money attitude. Uh, like he, he had a bunch of cash and he's like, all right, dude, I want it. Like it literally started off as a uh, studio. It was okay. going to be like a camming studio for girls to come in and, you know, they, uh, they just rent the booth type of thing for a minute. And then it became just much more easier to do it from home after a while, obviously. But uh, we were going to make it much more classy, have a little setup, you know, pillows, all this other stuff to make it easier for them. But it would all be camming. It wouldn't be actual anything more. Right. Um, and then I'm just like, dude, if you're going to do that, you might as well just do porn. That's what, because it started off like that with them. So I was just like, no, you might as well just do porn. So he's like, all right, fine, we'll do porn. And I talked about my experience in the, uh, like the very first girl on girl I ever filmed. Uh, that was what I talked about my very first time at Double Digger. And surprisingly, I got a laugh. I, I was, but that's again, what it felt great, man. I loved it, man. And, that See, was it. It, and that's you just being honest, right? That's, that's the beautiful thing. I find that if I, cause I've, I've done both. I've, I've, I've written a, a one-liner or a setup punchline joke and I've gotten laughs. And then I've written a full page, like experience that I knew was funny. I feel more fulfilled getting a laugh from that than I do just a little witty, like joke, joke. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's, it's, it's the best part about, you know, telling your stories is that like your life is interesting. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah, no, I get it, man. And you know, the only problem with Mike's is you don't get that opportunity a lot because obviously you get like three to five minutes to work with and depending on the mic, of course, and you just can't tell the, the story, you know, mm -hmm. because the story is what makes it funny, you know, but you can't do that when you're starting off, you have to like work on all the stuff that you could get quick punches for, you know, if it's got a 30 second setup, it better hit hard by the 45th, or at least if you got to push it to the 60th, a little bit by the 45th and then finally the 60 minute mark or 60 second mark. Um, you know, and, and that's the bummer because it's like, dude, the, the story, oh my God, the porn story alone takes like damn near four minutes. That's so, and sometimes like the best material isn't going to have a punchline until like minutes in, like five minutes in. I mean, look at like Louis stuff. A lot of his stuff is like straight up set up and then you don't get the banger until way at the end. Yeah, it's hard, man. I, I remember in New York doing sets at like two minute, two minute mics. Fucking insane, dude. I'm like, I, 
at that point you go, you see it online, you sign up, you're like, Oh shit, it's a four minute mic. You get there. They're like, Oh, we got to cut times. There's too many people on everybody get two minutes. You just fucking throw your book out, dude. Fuck anything that I was actually going to try on this (laughs) microphone. I'm just going to come up here and talk shit to everybody here because I mean, I, I, I was focusing on like one liner comedy when I first started. And then I started to branch into situations like my brother being a drug addict, my dad being a drug addict, alcoholic, and like finding ways to make my trauma funny, which takes time, like you're saying. So it's, uh, you know, it's hard. And then like learning how to write stories, you learn how to add jokes in the story. And then it just like, I don't know, it like you like sandwich jokes in setups but it all like ties into the same thing so it takes more time like your whole set is supposed to be a story right you know what i'm saying that's really what it breaks down to now granted when you're in the you know the major leagues then your story can make make much more sense uh because in five minutes sometimes you won't get the whole story obviously like we've discussed but um it's it, when it comes to the, the 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 writing of the stuff at the end of the day with the stories, it's always tough to go ahead and like take stuff out, you know, take the fat out. Stuff that, you know, you could use, but it's, you know, for the purpose of time, um, you know, you, you feel like you're, the, the, you're losing some of the joke in there, you know? Mm-hmm. And then you actually have to time yourself. How often are you getting laughs uh, for each joke? Because if it's taking too long, obviously to get a laugh and for one bit, then you lose the audience too. So it's a double-edged sword, man. You, you, you know, you live it until, you know, you can finally say, I don't have to worry about, you know, only having five minutes, you know? So God, who would have thought, man, you get into comedy and then, and then it becomes a math equation. Yeah, man. It's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's funny because it literally makes you appreciate how uh, precious time is. Yeah, for sure you know yeah and it, it it makes you yeah you appreciate no matter what it is the time that you're holding that fucking mic in your hand yeah. if it be three minutes five minutes 15 that makes you love a 30 minute set i remember one of the first times i got a 30 minute feature set it was at this college for this jewish fraternity and it was like a jewish holiday in the middle of the cafeteria there was like the fraternity was all about the show everybody else eating in the cafeteria gave no shit that there was a show going on <laughs> so funny just and like i remember just looking around and not giving a shit that nobody cared i was just like i was going through my material and doing my bits but in the back of my head i'm like wow this is fucking amazing to be able to have time like this yeah dude. it's it's a freeing experience man it challenges you as a comedian um you know like dude i've i've watched uh a couple of like big time closing well i shouldn't say uh, like titans of comedy but uh damn good comics that have had residencies out here and i started actually like listening to their set time wise and i started counting in my head um every single time they got a laugh in between laughs one comic in particular who's a beast that you should definitely check out is tommy llama um, this man was averaging laughs every 10 seconds. That's insane, dude. Every 10 seconds, man. I was blown away by that. I saw another comic at LA Comedy Club. Um, 
Oh my God, his last name is Reed. I'm so embarrassed I can't remember his name. It's funny ass guy, uh, Jay Reed, ironically. Jay Reed, uh, he actually was averaging laughs every six seconds, but his set was so much energy that you couldn't help but laugh. You know what I'm saying? So the, the, again, time is precious when you're on stage, man. So when, even though, yes, like you may have shit sets, that's part of the gig, that's part of the humbling process. And you can't win them all, you know what I'm saying? Sure. But as long as you go up there, give it your effort, get through your set, it's worth it, man. And especially in situations where you have no time uh, like to really stress about, well, besides obviously, you know, like having a specific time limit for your set, it's just the fact that you get more time to express yourself, you know? That's... Yeah, I, uh, well, I last performed in, um, in, <clears throat> in May, and I got 15 minutes after not performing for a, a long time before that as well. And that was so beautiful because I spent so much time writing. I had just gotten engaged. So I was able to like expand on that shit. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's, I, that's key to any comics uh, career, man. And that I've seen is just, if you make it uh, personable and uh, relatable, the comedy works, man. You know, what's the craziest thing you've seen? Like what? What's the craziest? What's the best? Because like you've traveled and done sets all over. So what's like, what's the craziest thing you've seen? One, I'm going to ask you a, a handful of questions and then you can just answer it in one. So what's the craziest thing? What's the best thing? What's, you know, what, what has been like your, I know every comic has it, uh, like uh, a question questioning that something that made you question why the fuck you're doing this oh yeah i do it every monday i can tell you that much um, <laughs> <laughs> um but it makes me realize how much more i love it uh, but no like no joke dude the best thing for me was uh finding purpose obviously at the end of the day like that made my life worth it to me you know what i'm saying like that that gave me a reason as to why i'm here everything else in the universe after that to me is just hey cool to know you know what I'm saying? But after that, man, like, I love knowing what I'm supposed to be here for. Uh, before that, life kind of sucked. Um, wildest thing I've seen comedy-wise, man, I just, I'd have to say, I'd have to say I actually was there and hung out with the fuck. Okay. I, I was there at John Wayne Bobbitt's Roast here in Vegas. Damn. Um, yeah, you know who he is, right? The guy who got his dick chopped off and it got thrown in the highway by his wife. Dude, he had a roast for himself? Did he set Dude. this up? Oh, no, no, no. He didn't set it up. It, just the comic who did, his name is Ralph Tutella. He's a, he's a funny asshole from uh, Massachusetts who's doing his thing out here. He had one of the, one of the best mics uh, slash shows uh, every Friday night at this very old hotel. He set that up at their stage Bro, it was packed, all right? And this guy's sitting here getting blasted left and right about being half a man and the, the fact that he got porn movies to do after that. Um, I was sitting there in disbelief. I'm like, dude, this I'm not even three months into Vegas and this is like the craziest shit I've seen already. Because not only did I get to see that shit, I ended up hanging out with the motherfucker in his goddamn RV He's sitting there getting wasted with a bunch of other people who are just like friend groupie type hangout type people, man. You know, they're getting wasted. And the person whom he's there to support that uh, that night is a comic by the name of Krista Kay. 
you may have seen her in my uh my giant life she's like six foot seven funny as hell like real funny lady um and uh she actually was uh, the reason why he was there so all of these uh like uh things that just happen i'm like i just saw this woman on tv this guy is fucking you know world renowned for the guy who got his dick chopped off and made it like worldwide news you know um I'm sitting there like, this is Vegas. This this is what the fuck Vegas is, man. Like, it's crazy ass stories like this, you know? Welcome uh, home. Yeah, exactly. And then, of course, like I said, uh, the one thing that uh, I, that anytime I ever go to dive bar, is just immediately just take the pain. That's the way I look at it. It's like going to the gym and working out. Like, all right, you're going to get your ass beat here. You're not going to go ahead and come out feeling good about it, but you need it because just, it makes you just want a, it a, a way of humbling yes oh my god dude i've had weeks where i was on a roll and then all of a sudden dive bar just like brought me right back you're like all right <laughs> yep i'm not where i need to be yep and if suicide is an option we'll discuss that later <laughs> <you know? laughs> it's, i it's, think every comic has that <laughs> fucking for sure i i remember fucking being in new york and having a bottle of pills like ready to be swallowed whole and uh you know, bouncing back from that. And granted, I haven't performed as much as I want to. I'm actually, I, I want to go out tomorrow. Tomorrow's uh Thursday. So I, I want to go out. I think the brew bus in Tampa brewing company does a mic now that I want to check out. Uh, uh, dude, Dunedin Brewery is back from what I understand. I just uh, saw, I just saw that. Yeah. Um, so David I got, Wayne, I, I got to get back out there, man. I've been fucking paranoid about getting sick. And at this point, I'm just like, you know, it's 99% survival rate. I uh, like at this point, I got to stop being a fucking pussy. And um, brother, I had it. I know. So how was it? It was fucking awful, wasn't it? You know, bro, I'm not going to lie to you. There were moments that it was shitty, but I can honestly say it was not what I expected. It was not as uh, horrible as I thought it was going to be. Because ironically, to me, day one and day one alone was my worst day all right it literally like i immediately woke up feeling like shit i like had a fever um i immediately made my way down to the testing center granted i had been tested plenty of times before not a problem right mm -hmm. um and i went i came home man and i slept for like 13 hours my fiance just uh, came to check on me and she, of course i gave it to her the poor thing yeah so we were quarantined together here for two weeks brother it's not what how they say it man because not even four days before that bro it was my birthday party weekend and my fiance had like no more than 10 people in this house with us at all times and nobody else got sick just me and her so the, the proportion that they blew the, the contagiousness of it, it is weird, uh, but it's, it's definitely not as, uh, I'm not going to say any more than that because I don't want to get you in a headache. Um, but all I can say is like, dude, when I, uh, when I finally got through that shit, I realized that the headache of it really is the, the lingering effects, the, the fatigue, the fatigue will whip your ass. Um, Every once in a while, yes, your heart will start, you know, getting a little bit racy here and there. Uh, and I will say that I've already seen cases and and with hands-on experience of people actually uh, getting so stressed out, either from getting the sickness or, or just worrying about getting the sickness, that they've caused themselves to have PTSD 
because of it. So I mean, I could see that. Yeah. So now they're losing their hair. There's there's shit going on that has all of this sprung up in people, man. You know, and it's it's it sucks. But I could tell you, brother, it's survivable. And this is coming from a person who's had open heart surgery, who's asthmatic from uh, actually has high blood pressure and clearly is not in shape. You know what I'm saying? Like, so it, it's, um, I, it, trust me when I say, brother, it's survivable. God knows though, there are some people who it hits worse. Yeah, so, for sure. You know, I think it, it's it, it's gonna, it's definitely taken the toll on, on our society and our craft in so many different ways. But I can promise you, brother, do the things that they say. Wash your hands, sanitize, wear your mask. Don't be stupid. Don't try to play a hero. You get you get sick that way because that's how I got cocky about it and I got sick, you know, if you don't have any of those things happen. But at the end of the day, you never know because I never got sick going to the mics before then. I got sick fucking uh, uh, delivering pizzas. Damn, yeah, well, because you're, I think you're getting closer to people yeah. in, that, in that way. So, yeah, so I think uh, it's time to shed the fear and just fucking, you know, do the thing that makes me feel like me. Um, granted, Go like live, I, brother. Go live. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Because I really haven't. I mean, granted, like I love video games, and uh, this podcast has been like uh, really fun, and I love doing it. But there's just something about stand up that I'll never not think about. It's fucking insane. I was talking to Mike about this yesterday. I had him on the show. Um, and he he's like Michael uh Park, remember? He was uh Yeah, Michael Park. Hell yeah, yeah. man. I remember yeah, Michael. Yeah, he he was the That's chef good. at the improv. Yeah, uh, man. And he was I met him at double uh double decker, man. He's one of the best dudes I met that at that time. And he, so he's like my brother. I fuck I've grown up with him. And he's the one fuck your brother. Yeah, fuck him hard. <laughs> uh but he's the one that introduced me to this shit at one of the lowest points in my life. And I love him and I hate him for it because I can never not think about it. It's something that's always in the back of my fucking head. No matter what it is that I'm doing, it doesn't matter if I'm going up or not. I'm thinking of ways to make things funny. I'm thinking of uh, like how to write something different if I've already written it. It's like, it's a gift and a curse, this fucking thing. It is because it, it like when you don't have it, your life turns upside down. Like I've been doing this now for so many years in a row where if I don't have comedy, dude, my I'm in a constant state of depression. Comedy is therapy. That's the way it is for, for the way I feel about it. It's therapy. It's, 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 it's joy. It's madness. It's everything that makes life uh, worth living in some weird ass way. You know, you yeah. just get to go ahead and have, you need to have that shit, man. Once you've gotten it, it's hard to let it go. Dude. It's it like really, heroin. It is. And it, it's like, like I've said so many times, I haven't been doing it. And, but I don't stop thinking it. Like in my head, sure, I may not be uh, doing it as much as guys would say you're supposed to be. But in my head, I'm not done. And that's what makes me feel like I can keep doing it because of that thought process. So I oh, just need it. Go ahead. I was just saying, so I just need to stop being a bitch and just get back on a mic and stop being scared of fucking microorganisms. Yeah, go do some fucking push-ups already, man. I'm sick of this shit. <laughs> <you know? laughs> 
No, man, actually, uh, one thing I did that I think may, you may want to consider doing, um, unless, you, unless you already do. Brother, I set up my own little home st uh, stage area upstairs. I have a mic stand, I have a mic, I have a PA system, I have a, a wireless mic, a wired mic, and I sit there and I actually, I shouldn't say I sit there, I stand there because I, uh, I actually like doing my set standing up and I hear myself. I do that shit and at least it keeps me going through the pandemic. That was a huge fucking help for me. Did you just, uh, would you just like, uh, like tell your fiance, like, hey, uh, show starts at eight. Uh, I, expect <laughs> you, I, I expect you to be in your stool. No, man, I was charging her fucking 10 bucks a head. Man, so <laughs> it's not gonna happen. No. <laughs> no, man, she, uh, she's a champion, man. She, she sat there, uh, she's about 70% of my, uh, professional set, you know, um, that I do at, uh, like comedy clubs because it's, uh, you know, a relationship and relatable stuff. Right. Um, she's, she's a champ, man, but she understood why. And she understood like, dude, the only thing I could do then a whole shutdown was go for a drive and come back, go for a drive and come back. If I didn't have the drive, I was losing my shit. Then finally I got the mic and I had the drive. So I'm like, okay, good. Now I have something, you know, to get my creativeness out. Whether anybody's listening or not, I doubt, but <laughs> whenever my fiance would tell me that's funny, hey, I felt great. Yeah, but yeah. I think it helps you hearing it out loud. And I think that's why like similar with the podcast, I was able to like start this to, um, one, be able to tell longer stories and two, so I could work shit out, you know, not everything yeah. I'm talking on here is going to be a bit, but if I just, especially the ones where I'm doing it alone, like I'm pretty much just a vocal journal for whoever wants to listen, but mainly me. Yeah, brother. But you know, shit, you are your wor your worst audience member. You know what I'm saying? So you may not, like, you may be your wor own worst critic sometimes when it comes to your comedy, you know? I very so, much am. It's caused, my mind has caused me to not do it as often because, uh, like I, I've already said, like, coming back from New York was one of the most hurt I've ever felt for my own I did it to myself. You know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. nobody could have given a shit that I came back. You know what they would give me a shit for, for not doing it. Yeah. I ain't going to lie to you, brother. Yeah. Because at least, you know, you have the talent, bro. I know so many comics that actually have great talent, uh, but this pandemic got the best of them and some of them walked away. And I was just like, I don't know how you could do it, man. Like I couldn't, I, I needed to breathe, you know? Yeah, for sure. It's, so, I mean, I agree with you. It's, it's definitely a, a therapy. I, uh, you know, I found it at a very young age. I think I was 20 or 21 <clears throat> when I started performing heavily into drugs, mainly psychedelics and, really? uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, hard to tell. Right. But no, 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 no. I mean, clearly you look like a, you know, Christian gentleman who's been, you know, working the crusades and, <laughs> you know what really fucked me up when I, I did a set in Orlando and the guy after my set came up and said that is the epitome of stoner comedy I was like god I have to change how I am because I don't want to I don't want to be one thing I want to be funny for all no matter how stoned I am <laughs> yeah. uh, you know what actually helps with that brother what how you dress when you go on stage I feel like if you put on you know some uh actual 
you know, uh, dress, uh, uh, shoot, wow, I can't talk all of a sudden. If you put on like some good like uh, leather loafers, um, a decent little button down shirt, like, you know, you can roll up the sleeve type stuff. When you go on stage, you feel more professional. You actually can go ahead and make your stoner jokes sound professional <laughs> written as opposed to like, yeah, I was getting stoned before stage and you can tell, you know, and shit like that. Yeah. It's harder when you're younger and doing it because you're, you're younger. You don't want to like, what was cool to me was flannels. So like, that's the epitome and long hair. Like I just looked like, yep, we know what this guy's going to talk about. How many <laughs> leaves did you roll up today? Um, but no, I remember like doing psychedelics and, and like you said, you, you learn a purpose. And I remember learning it really young. And I remember doing DMT, which is like the sacred uh, geometry fucking psychedelic. Um, and it made me so aware of how much I needed to make people laugh as narcissistic as that sounds like I have to make people laugh because of how bad my life was coming up. If I can make somebody forget about how bad theirs was, then my fucking duty for who any higher power that runs this show will be like pleased with me brother i think that every day i wake up because that that's what the your purpose feels like that's what's supposed to feel like you know like if if anybody above can go ahead and approve of this they're going to approve of this you know because it's a, it's an honorable thing to choose to do Granted, some people take that honor and then abuse it, right. <laughs> you know, but if that's, if that's a, it's a, it's a hard life, but we chose it with dignity because we love to make people laugh. And it's, it's basically our, like for me, I'm, I'm, I got a great relationship with God um, and I'm not ashamed of it, but I can honestly say that that's how I serve him. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's the best way I could serve him. You know, of course, being a good person in general, is, it matters, but you know, I serve him best when I'm on stage trying to make people laugh, you know? I and mean, then actually in, in my everyday life too, man, like, dude, anybody I'm around, I try to make laugh in some way, you know? Not being a goof, but, you know, being creative. And, and Right. You know? I mean, it's, uh, it's a gift to be able to make somebody laugh with actual talent. Like, sure, everybody can be quirky and be w the weird guy that makes people you know you can because i've seen it at work in my day job there's there's like weird people when you like you make them uncomfortable there's and you're ha, 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 all right i'm getting the fuck out of here <laughs> you, you can hear their asshole tightening up as they move yeah uh man it's just i don't know i don't know it's it's a beautiful thing you know it's it like is. it's like preaching man i grew up with my grandmother was a minister. My grandfather was a pastor. So like public speaking is in my DNA, even though nobody else wants to do this shit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. Shit, man. I tell you, it, it's, it, it hits so deep uh, that it, it'll leave you emotional. man. like when you actually fulfill your purpose in the right way, like I remember my very first chance I got at LA comedy club here um i did a seven minute set had them rolling from start to end beautiful dude i i had a, i got i was literally so excited i actually walked into the green room and nobody happened to be in there at that moment 
and I ain't going to bullshit you. I just kind of doubled over, man, and, and tears and, and you know, thanking God, man, because I felt so fucking good, man. It's, it's, it's so fucking good, man, to feel that purpose being you know, served. And, and when you do it well, oh, man. Yeah, it pays off. Yeah, it and just that, it, it's, it's everything. Basically. And then you get a free meal. The waitress comes in like, here's your sandwich. And you're like, yes, <laughs> this is everything I've worked for. <laughs> and then she's like well also she's here to go ahead and rub on your never mind have a wonderful <laughs> <week."> <laughs> yeah uh, I'm, married. I'm about to be married lady get the hell out of here <laughs> what wait wait, wait 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 why are you on your knees why are you on your get up get up hey, woman hey, hey hey that is not your zipper lady <laughs> <laughs> hold Ain't your a... head high <laughs> no seriously you're biting no no <laughs> <laughs> yo so uh, are y'all, are y'all, so y'all are back open in Nevada? Is it like kind of 50% capacity for all casinos? Uh, we're actually starting to get shows back up this week. Uh, they've started, but comedy has been and uh, the very first thing that came back, like, which is so ironic compared to your neighbor, California, that fucking they're like, still in lockdown, dude. They, well, they, I think they just started allowing like dry, I think, uh, the comedy store is doing like drive in shows now, yeah. but like still but like they they're allowed to serve food the tvs aren't allowed to be on like if does that that doesn't make any sense no like dude I, listen i i could appreciate the fact of all the efforts that we're put into doing like drive-in shows but I, dude one of the hardest things i saw was to try to do the show and everybody laughing through their horns so you have people just hitting the horn and then it's all uneven it's not even like there's a joke that's been said yet or a, a punch that's been said they're just fucking honking the horn for no reason i'm like are you fucking kidding me like this is the one thing that we like we get back and all you guys can do is hold the horn down because you got nothing else like dude um colin colin quinn put something out on hbo um i forgot what it's called but he did a little like special with a bunch of uh, new york comics from uh uh, fuck what's it called but i don't know i don't know what it's called but it was during like the pandemic and it was like a drive-in show and it was so fucking weird every comic was like this is the weirdest fucking thing i've ever done <laughs> dude it, it, i i don't know how they did like dude zoom shows to me i did them before the, it became necessary and i just realized i'm like i need an audience there's no way yeah but yeah. i mean what do you do do you just look in the chat to see who's typing yeah 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 <laughs> yeah like somebody will, like dude if you look at the chat and you actually see the chat uh because depending on how far you are away just to kind of give yourself that real like all right i'm performing vibe um like you'll see people like oh did you guys hear what's happening on this show i'm like are you fucking kidding me right now they're not even they're not even giving a damn about the show they're they're, they're talking about something else on tv and shit you know so i'm like dude i need the audience that's the only way i know anything i'm saying works you know yeah, I think uh, it's, I mean, for, for stand-up, you need the audience. Like, you need a crowd interaction. Yeah. If you're, if you're a fucking, you know, comedy movie writer or TV writer, it's a different thing because it's, it's other people acting out your words. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> comedy is great, though. I love it. Yeah, I mean, it's something that, uh, like, I'll never not think about. I'm sure you feel the same way. No, man. In the harshest moments, comedy has saved me, and I know, in some ways, it saved this country. So, yeah. Jesus, let's hope we can keep those rolling. 
now for the next four years yeah well <laughs> we'll see man uh it's not looking good but we're gonna go ahead and we already knew the the the, the titanic was already sinking we just we're the band that plays on you know what i'm saying yeah that's what's the that's what's you know that's a beautiful thing about comedy is being able to sit and watch and talk to people about what's going on because everybody's seeing the same thing but comics tell it differently yeah and that's a i mean that's where the art comes in yeah like dude i have a bit where you know like right now with uh, all the parents doing all the homeschooling and shit that they're finally getting out i i have this bit where i'm just like you ever wanted to kick a fucking kid you know <laughs> and I say that shit and the first thing that they do is they laugh and then you actually have some moms applauding a little too hard and shit. I'm like, all right, comment now, you know, but um, the point is I say, it's like, you see, this is the only environment where we can say that shit and be, we should all laugh at it. Because if you say that on the street, you start getting your head kicked in, you go to jail, you find out how flexible your asshole is. It's not fucking fun. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, so it, it, you need it, man. People understand like in comedy, well, I should say people used to understand that comedy clubs were the safe space if it was funny if you were being a complete piece of shit then it's not funny you know what i'm saying um but you couldn't say anything sam kinnison oh my god dude he said so much horrible shit about uh uh homosexuals all right because he was you know the son of a, pa a preacher yeah you know what i'm saying in a lot of the ways he said it it was not funny. And then he would have one or two bits that were funny, but it, it, it's that type of power that that, 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 that room gives. It's, it gives you the, the freedom of speech as long as it's funny. You know what I'm saying? Mm, yeah, for sure. Because uh, I've seen, I've se I remember one in particular um, at the improv, um, Mike, a guy, it was like a random dude. I don't even think he was a comic. I think he was just some fucking drunk asshole who was like, oh, I can be funny. And mm. just went on stage and was like, this is my impression of uh, Kramer. And then just said the N-bomb for like two minutes straight. And, yeah. then, and then fucking peeled. Nobody saw him. Dude, I, I lost a mic. Uh, well, I shouldn't say I lost a mic. Um, the pandemic killed the mic, but it was the second to last show before mic. Um, I was hosting this great place, and this guy comes on stage, very first comic. I didn't notice it until he uh, just walked by me. He had a noose around his fucking neck. All right. Now, immediately I addressed it like, what the hell are you doing? I like, know it's part of the bit. I'm like, okay, let's see where it goes. Immediately I go into the crowd and I try to find out like, yo, are people comfortable with this? You know what I'm saying? And, and uh, it, it, it makes you like, it, it makes you again, like I, I love giving opportunities to comics to go ahead and like get up and do their thing, man. Um, and I appreciate the freedom of speech and the responsibility that comes with it. Um, but as comics, we feel in a lot of ways that we're being, I shouldn't say limited, we have to get more creative, but it's just that we, we, we have to fear stepping on someone's toes. And in the comedy clubs, it didn't used to be that way. It used to be, you go out there, you do your thing, because in that environment, everybody understood it was a joke, you know? Yeah, but what's, 
what's funny about a guy walking up on stage with the news? Like, what was what was the bit? Well, that's the thing. I was sitting there waiting to hear it. He didn't have one. And there was nothing racist that was said, which is ironic. I, I, you think for sure that would be it. Uh, he's going to say some stupid shit. Um, and he didn't. And I had gone up to a couple of uh, uh, different uh, comics that I know were African-American. You know what I'm saying? Because clearly this is, this is going to make some people upset. Um, and I gave him the opportunity to do a set. But when I saw it was going nowhere and it wasn't like anything racist, but it just wasn't funny. I just like I, I lit him up and and I made it clear uh, after he got up and I made it clear to everybody there. Don't ever wear a fucking noose up here again. Was he a white guy or black guy? Oh, he's an older white guy. Um, you know, he didn't come in with it like like hanging out of his pocket or anything like that. He didn't come in being fucking weird about it. And he had been there before. You know what I'm saying? And this was the first time uh, I saw him come up with a noose. So I was just like, I was fucking taken aback by it. Um, and I think everybody else was too, because it, again, where where is it that the line is constantly having to be redrawn that makes comedy fair now? You know what I'm saying? Right. Because we have to continually recreate you know, like, or not recreate, but like, uh, start thinking about boundaries and boundaries and boundaries. Hell, talking about COVID has its boundaries because, of course, some people have were affected by it, and God knows they may have lost loved ones. But if you sit there and fucking dwell on the con, the talk, uh, the talking point of it, people they're going to start getting emotional about. It, they're going to get tired, and the show's not going to be fun. You know. So it, it's all about knowing how, uh, how to push that, that boundary just enough to where you get them and then you let it go. Yeah. You know? and, and I learned, I learned a lot that night because I, like he, the guy who uh, complained uh, about the guy who wore the news, um, he, he gave me my respect in the sense that he acknowledged that I'd said something and I said, make sure that nobody fucking ever does that again. He acknowledged that. But um, it was too late. Like it, it really, if it wasn't for the pandemic, the owner more than likely would have canceled the mic. And then, I mean, even now it's gone. Like he, he won't bring it back now, but that's for a different reason. Um, and he, and I'm sure he's been hesitant ever, uh, ever since because he had to worry about being canceled, you know? That's so, yeah. And that's crazy that you would think like, if you saw an act doing that, why would you go after the person who's in charge of the business yeah well i mean dude it's it wasn't like like the guy who actually complained um was the sammy davis jr impersonator okay um i think there are some other factors that played into why he felt the way he did uh and he made it clear in a lot of his comments uh which uh, speaking as a man I, I felt embarrassed for him um to be honest with you but that's not here. The, the important part was, is that at what point do we as comics just have to accept the fact that our, the comedy game is never going to be the same? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. We, we, you would think that the way uh, after this pandemic, everybody would be open to just, hey, man, let's get back to laughing. Let's just remember we're here to laugh and that's it. After we leave here, we don't feel that same way about anything that was said in there. You know what I'm saying? Unless it was fun and that's it, you know? Um, 
and that's where we are as a society, man. I'm sorry, but <laughs> no, no, you're good. Preach, preach, <laughs> my man. I mean, no, I agree, but it's also like comedy is subjective and it always will be. So it's funny, it's funny. So a guy going up on stage just wearing a noose and not making it funny, you're a fucking dick, really, is yeah. what, you, what you are. You're not, you're, there's, you couldn't be creative and there was no innovation to what you were doing. Now, I mean, I don't know what he was saying, but you say it had nothing to do with the fucking shit around his neck. So, uh, you know, and here's the, the thing. Point? Yeah, well, uh, to be 100% honest with you, I was so concerned that I actually, like I said, I went out to other comics in the crowd, again, who are African-American, that I knew and that they trusted me at least enough to uh, tell me honestly how they would feel. Now, granted, there were comics there that night that if they hear racist shit, they have no problem calling it out. No fucking problem. I know plenty of them. So when they weren't speaking out and the people whom I talked to said, it's whatever, I'm like, okay. I let it go on slow a little longer than I, I honestly admit I should have. But at the end of the day though, it, it was just like, again, what is it like, what can we do here? You know, like, where's the balance? Like the, the fact that he wore a noose, if he had did address it at any point in time and it wasn't race related, now, what do we say about that? You know what I'm saying? But again, I didn't hear anything in regards to the noose because I was too busy fucking trying to uh, um, take a poll. You yeah. Know? yeah, well, I mean, I don't think you're wrong in that sense. I mean, you're, you're the host. You gave him a chance, but he wasn't funny and you fucking lit him up. That's all that matters. And I got him off and I made it clear that it was not acceptable. But, you know, we almost lost or well, we technically did, but it was more for the pandemic reasons. Um, we, we, we would have lost if there was no pandemic. We would have lost that mic. That would have taken away an opportunity for so many different walks of life, minorities of all flavors around the world who come in there to be able to express their feelings or their creativeness and whatever. Um, and we would have lost that because one man didn't have the ability to go ahead and call someone out for what he felt was wrong, you know? And I've, and, and I don't know, man, I'm sorry, dude. Again, it's, it's something that really kind of messed me up because I was just like, damn it, here we are, man. I'm, you know, I'm a minority myself. I'm getting an opportunity to host this great place. You know, it's a very popular spot. I have all these different uh, comics from, like I said, all these different walks of life from all around the world. And this one guy is going to go ahead and make it seem like we're like racist pieces of shit. You know, I don't think you should, uh, for one, apologize. Uh, that's what this place is for. This is my sanctuary. And uh, I don't think you should beat yourself up again. You were the host and you I mean, you gave an asshole the benefit of the doubt to be funny. That's that was the point. And you caught it. Sure, you might have caught it later than you should have but again you made it known that you know racism is not tolerated and fucking be funny yeah like it, it's so much so that i actually had rules that i put on the sign-up sheet and the rules were very simple no n-word you get so much time you know be respectful of of the environment and blah 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 and you know no nothing sexist you know what i'm saying like that's like over fucking the top yeah. type shit you know, um, but still, even then, it, like, you don't say the N-word, but that doesn't mean you ain't gonna, you're not applying shit either just by your actions, you know? Um, and then everybody else has to suffer because you're a fucking idiot. 
you know? You know, it, it would be different if my man walked on the stage with a noose and said, I'm going to do you all a favor for years of punishment, you know, fucking, but make it funny. Yeah. But like at that point, it's why though, what's your intention? That's what I try to think about when I'm doing my material. What's the intention behind it? The intention is to always be funny, right? I, I don't touch on shit that I don't know. I, why would I talk about race or make racist jokes when this, I'm the fucking source of the problem. Not me personally, but like my skin tone, the people who <laughs> right. represent me are the fucking problem. Yeah, I get who, it. Who am I to talk about somebody else who's different? You know what I mean? So that's like, I stick to my blue material. I stick to my masturbation, sex, drugs, uh, observations. I mean, like I don't touch on any of these fucking I don't make fun of anything that people, you know, or I, I don't know. I just can't. I can't make you, fun of these movements. And you have to things. make fun of your own race. That's the way you like, because it makes you, again, relatable to everybody else. You know what I'm saying? Because each race has someone in their race uh, like that you're just not incredibly proud of. You know what I'm saying? Right. But you just have to go ahead and understand, like, if you can make it funny about you first, they are, they're going to see that you are just as human as they are, you know, stuff like that. But clearly, don't go for racist jokes in places where you're, you're uh, essentially hoping, uh, not hoping, you're, you're hoping to survive. That's what I'm trying to say. Like, you're, you're like, you don't make dumb jokes. Like, I, I, got, I do this, uh, this pre-show kind of host duty on Sundays at this uh, great comedy club, Extreme Comedy Club. Um, and, uh, being hundred percent legit with you, man, it's more of an urban crowd. Mm -hmm. Right. And I love it because they're fucking hilarious, man. They're a great crowd, but you have to gain their trust for you to say any crazy shit. Hell yeah. And I see comics going up there, uh, like saying some shit. I'm like, how did you think that you were going to get away with this here? You know, like, that's my thought process. Like, how did you think that was going to work out? So now I'm forced to tell comics, look, man, I don't, I don't try to tell people how to do their set. Uh, but if you have any race material, save that shit for another place. You know what I'm saying? Unless you're going to be calling yourself out a lot, don't bother. You know what I'm saying? Because you, you lose them that fast, you know? Yeah. yeah. Uh, coming from, you know, my, my best friend is black and I had, I've personally had to see like racist shit happened to him. It's something that's not taken lightly and I don't think it ever should be. Um, so that's like, I mean, I just, I just stick, I don't talk about anybody else. Like stereotypes are played out. Uh, I don't do them. Uh, if, yeah, like you said, if I'm going to talk shit about somebody, it's going to be about me and the people that have fucked up the entire world. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> You know, fucking Casper okay. Whitey's. Yeah, goddamn golfers. Fucking <laughs> mayonnaise ass skin, egg white. See, man, that, that's funny, man. I grew up uh, uh, with uh, a white kid being my best friend um, when I lived in Connecticut. Um, well, obviously, that was going to happen, but he was of Greek descent. You know what I'm saying? Um, and then when I hit high school, and since then, uh, one of my best friends has been uh, my boy James, who's African American, but he also had 
uh, and the experience of also coming from Alabama. And, and, and as an African-American in Alabama, I can't imagine how hard it was until I lived there for a year and I saw firsthand they may be free, but in most in that type of state, it that shit is still like you are below us type stuff. And I couldn't believe how fucked up it was. Like I was at an uh, an actual nightclub, bro, a fucking nightclub. All right, all different walks of life in line. All right, the girl at the door gets in an argument with somebody, and she just hops up out of her seat. You get the fuck out of here, you dumb fucking N-word. And I was like, me and the guy who was there uh, with me, because we were doing a radio, uh, we worked for radio, we were there doing promotions. Mm -hmm. Me and him at the same fucking time, we're like, holy shit. We thought we were about to see a murder. Somebody and kill this white bitch. <laughs> I thought for sure, dude. I thought for sure her life was ending at that fucking moment, dog. But what I saw happen was, I saw every single African-American person in that line the pain in their fucking eyes that they couldn't do anything about it because if the cops were called, they were going responsible for it. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And that's that shit, dude, it, it solidified in my life that it, uh, African-American people have still one, if not the toughest fucking existence in the United States. But man, it is, it, it's, it's, it's ridiculous to think that they have no struggles. Like if, if you're that fucking ignorant, like you might as well should just walk off a cliff. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. So. Just, just walk the rest of your life with your fucking eyes shut because that's how you act. If you don't pay attention yeah. to that, you know, I have a, a funny story that has to do with racism and it's only funny because it got me and Michael out of a sticky situation. So we went to, so he, I was living in New York, right? Uh, he came up to visit me and we went to the comedy cellar and we saw, um, no uh, yeah, we saw Godfrey, Dave Attell, nice. uh, Ari Shafir, Michelle Wolf, all on one, uh, um, set. Oh yeah. You know where, uh, the comedy cellar is, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. In, uh, Greenwich village. Uh, so it's not the worst areas, but it's also not like the best area either. Um, so after the show, there's that pizza spot right on the corner, um, where like Louie used to go all the time in his show. Yeah, um, yeah. So we stopped in there. We got pizza. We ate our pizza. We get out. We're chilling on the corner, trying to figure out like what we're going to do for the rest of the night. If we're going to go back to the crib or, or fuck around, go somewhere else in the city. Um, this dude walks up to us, like playing with dice in his hand. And he's like, oh, white people, white dudes. I love white dudes. And he's like shaking his fucking dice. He's like, y'all want to play some dice? Come on, man. Just just play some, play some dice with me. Uh, trying to get us to just fuck around with him. And that's what he wants, right? Like if we roll the dice, like we're a part of his game now. So he's going to fucking hustle us. And I looked at Mike and I was like, man, this doesn't feel right. Like we're trying to get hustle. I'm somebody who grew up in the hood. Like I know hustle when I see it and feel it. Um, so I look at Mike, I'm like, I, I, I notion like, Hey, let's just like start walking down, down the street. So we start walking. He's fucking following us. He's like, man, where y'all, where do y'all live, man? I love y'all. I'm a, I'm a follow y'all. I'm gonna come to your crib. Is that cool? And I'm, 
we're like trying not to pay attention. We're like trying to laugh it off and be cool. And uh, we're walking through a pretty busy crowd. If you've ever been in Greenwich Village, it's it gets fucking packed on the sidewalks. Yeah. Yes, it does. Uh, been out there, yeah. So we end up getting through a crowd, and uh, we're bumping into people. This dude is still following us, and we finally get to a point where we get out of the crowd, and he steps or pushes this white bitch and this white bitch says the shit that you're not supposed to say to a black dude you know what i'm saying she drops that word like it's fucking bitch in the back of her head drops it with no problem and i turned to mike and i was like because a big commotion happened and everything kind of got fucked up in that crowd and i looked at mike and i was like were we just saved by racism? <laughs> and I was like, I was like, let's get the fuck out of here before right. any fucking muggery happens. Cause that's what it felt like was going to happen. Like this dude was definitely trying to prey on two white dudes that had no idea where the fuck they were at. Yeah, man, man that's New York. So. No, <laughs> I was actually shocked, dude. I didn't know fucking people talked like that in New York. Like I did not, think that white i thought white people were progressive in new york but here's this white bitch (laughs) dropping words like she has a webster's dictionary in the back of her fucking pocket yeah no 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 trust me man i i I get it man i really do (laughs) like it it blows you away bro at how much like when people say it it just you could feel the hate with it man it's it's so fucked up yeah and that's that's the thing It, it comes with intention and like what's your intention on saying a word that you know is filled with hate, there's nothing but hate behind it. And that's what it makes people feel. What is the point in using a word like that? I don't yeah, get it. You know, I, I, I could say this much, man, because I'm not ever going to excuse someone saying it in, uh, you know, in that capacity or ever. Um, <laughs> uh, I think, though, when it comes to when you actually boil it down to ain't nobody perfect, And a lot of people forget that. You know what I'm saying? Like uh, some people, I I feel like those who are willing to admit that they've done wrong should have the ability to go ahead and at least work upon that and then hopefully better it. But like everybody, like there, a lot of people are quick to criticize and they forget at one point in anger, they've said some stupid shit too. Yeah. So you, for like, for whatever reason, everybody thinks that they're perfect when judging others so fast. So uh, again, I'm not trying to defend her actions or the guy, uh, the girl in Alabama at all, because they're, they're atrocious, but um, that some people like they, they, they just are never going to learn, you know what yeah. I'm saying? And, and to them, whether it's their upbringing or just the fact that for whatever reason, they're just that horrible of a person. So many different factors come into play, but it it, again, nobody's perfect. You know what I'm saying? It sucks. You know, you stay stupid shit, and yes, you should be held accountable for it. But um, at the same time, like with the whole Gina Carano thing, like that whole uh, you know her comments getting her fired. I'm like, dude, she is representing a brand. You know what I'm saying? She's representing a brand, and when she says things that are clearly going to be controversial in a public forum what did she expect was going to happen? You know, 
So it's not that I'm, I'm, I, I support, you know, freedom of speech to the point where I'm blind. No, I support the freedom of speech part, but just remember you're a grown fucking adult. You know, you have the capacity to, you know, actually think your words out. You know what I'm saying? Before you right. just post. So, yeah. And you can't, you can't say a word and not expect a fucking consequence. So if you say some shit, knowing that it's going to piss somebody off and you get fucking hit or your ass beat, I hope you learn a lesson. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, honestly, that's the only way people can learn, man. You get your ass beat. Like that dude that got hit with that fucking, that, that what was it, that tea or whatever the hell it was, that a tea can in that gas station. Oh, man, oh. he got he got his fucking ass knocked the fuck out and his ass beat at the same time. He learned the hard way about why you shouldn't say that word. But it's literally, if everybody who wants to say that shit so freely and with that much hate behind it, I think if they all took a can to the face like that, they'd probably be like, you know what? I think I made a mistake. You know, like they, they, they would have that epiphany real quick about like, all right, well, I've learned my lesson. So it's like in moments of, of like that, I'm just like, if I see a black person get called the N-word by a white person and I see that black person slap the fuck out of the white person, uh, yeah, they had it coming. They had to learn some way. You yeah, know what I'm saying? That's, that's the consequence, man. You're... Yeah. <laughs> You have freedom of speech, not freedom of consequence. Exactly. Uh, you think that guy that got hit with the can of tea, he's like, like now has PTSD with like tea. Oh, dude, that man sees a can and I think he pees himself <laughs> a little bit. Bro. Anybody picking up a can. Hey, you want a can of Coke? No. Yeah. Like, fuck, man. You imagine that dude turns around the corner like, hey, you want a can of corn? You know, and then he's like, fuck. <laughs> going to do me the corn, man. Yeah. No. I mean, uh, yeah, I, I can only hope that uh, on that note, everybody learns their lessons. I sure I've learned my fair share of lessons, and uh, I do my best to spread love every second that I can. And that's the point of this show right here is to just you know have an open voice, spread love, and you know our intention is always to be honestly funny. Yeah, I mean for us, at least for me. Uh, existence and existence is pain without it you know like mr meeseeks you know who mr meeseeks from uh rick and morty oh yeah yeah yeah. wait who's that is that his dad no mr meeseeks is the blue character that always screams i'm mr meeseeks look at me i haven't watched that 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 much i've I've watched rick and morty but i haven't watched it enough although I, i did watch it on heavily uh on heavily amounts of uh, marijuana. So I mean, maybe it's time to rewatch it. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Well, yeah, no, man, definitely check it out. Uh, but it, yeah, existence is pain without comedy and laughter, bud. And I appreciate you having me on again, man. I know I Dude, talked to you off today, bud. <laughs> it's, it's nothing but love, man. I love you. I'm glad uh, you're doing awesome. Uh, congratulations on your uh, engagement. Thank you, brother. Thank you. Nothing but love there. Um, yeah. We marriage you know, number three. Hey, third time is hopefully the charm. Yeah. If not, uh, I'm legally going to bound myself to no longer be able to be married. That shit. Just go back to porn at that point. God damn right, dude. <laughs> I will nail whore myself to happy death from Viagra. You know? Dude, I uh, I hope to see you again at some point, man. Uh, Likewise, you know. but get out of your house, man. Get out there. Go do comedy, man. I go will. Live. 
I will, I, I have some material lined up that I need to release onto the lovely people of Tampa. So, um, just you do know. yourself a favor though. Don't go, uh, focus too much on uh, the COVID stuff, man, because it'll, it'll go ahead and wear thin quick. See, and that, that's one thing that I'm afraid of too. Like, I don't want to be like, I have my material and ready to go. And then I, as soon as I pick up the microphone, all I can think about is the fucking germs that are on the microphone and how I need to lice all this bitch. And, you know, I think I'll be good though. I think once I feel myself out again, like it'll just be like riding a bike, you know? Well, brother, like I said, wash your hands, sanitize, and, you know, and wear your mask. Other than that, brother, and there should be no reason you shouldn't have any problems. But I will tell you, though, because of the fact that you clearly, you know, been stuck in a home for it, man. Uh, no joke, dude. Ain't no shame in actually talking to so uh, someone who actually can help you with it because it's like you're re entering society again. So it's going to be a shock at first. Um, so definitely, you know, talk to somebody about it, brother, man. I mean, and if you can't talk about it on stage, at least, you know? Yeah, I mean, uh, that's part, it's helped talking to comedians because the last few episodes I've had guests on have been comics. Uh, so, you know, everybody's very supportive and wants me to get it back out there. So it's time to just fucking bite the bullet and just do it. Uh, brother, just remember, talk is cheap. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to do it now, man. Just because you said that, I'm going out tomorrow. I'm going to probably bomb and I'm going to fucking love every bit of it. Damn right you are, brother. <laughs> you love it that much. It's good talking with you, brother, man. You take care of yourself, bro. You too, brother. Stay safe, all right? Yeah, man. Take care, buddy. Peace, you too. man.